It's me, Melissa. I'm going to be uh, spending some time with you over the next, I don't know how many episodes, um, reading through my book. And the intention of each of these episodes is to provide somewhat like a, um, I don't know, like the author's notes, the, the background thinking that um, went into everything that I wrote in This Human. Um, and the way that I'm going to approach it is I'll be um, reading the book. So it's a little bit of a hybrid um, audio book slash, um, I don't know, podcast. <laughs> um, and the intention is that you will get a deeper insight into the content and also um, with the aim of providing you a richer experience of um, working through the material that's in the book as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'd be really, uh, curious to see, um, what, how this format works for you. And, um, if you have any questions as we go through the content, it would be really great for you to reach out and, um, ask me them so that I can address them as I, um, as I read through. Um, the other thing as well that, um, encouraged me to, uh, give this format a try is, um, that, uh, you know, I had some doubts around, well, who, who actually is going to want to hear me read my book? Um, uh, especially because it's a, it's a nonfiction book. I mean, there is a the thriving audio book <laughs> industry, so I don't even know why I'm questioning it. But anyway, this is, this is a hybrid thing as most of the things that I create seem to be, um, in between things. So, uh, enough about the framing I'm just going to dive in all right so I'm starting from page um right so it's the it's page eight but it's in the um the why I wrote this book section so it's just after the acknowledgements and for those of you um who do have my book and you want to follow along that's all great for those of you who don't have my book and you just want to listen equally amazing um but if you do want to grab a copy you can grab one at uh, thishuman.com or uh, all the places that sell books, Amazon and, you know, book depository, repository, <laughs> if you're in Australia. Um, yeah, all the places. But if you go to thishuman.com, you'll be able to um, find all the links. Okay, here we go. Why I wrote this book. There are many great design books about design process, tools, and methods. With the increasing popularity of design thinking and human-centered design, we're seeing more material discussing aspects of the practice. One aspect missing, almost in an ironic twist, is what it takes to be the human who's doing the designing. This human is about this person. So there's a bit of a play on words there, right? So this human, the book, is about this person. Within these pages, I share what I know and have experienced as a human who is doing the designing. I wrote with the intention of evoking new reflections within design practitioners, opening up new perspectives and experiences of their work, and helping you to make sense of it all. In writing this book, I connected with every aspect of my 20 years in human-centered design. I excavated aspects of myself and my experiences that I had devalued and buried a long time ago. The most enjoyable, and traumatic, 
reconnection was with my time studying the brain. <laughs> I've, I'll explain why that was traumatic in a second. I've always been fascinated by the squishy grey mass we carry around in our skulls. I had almost forgotten that I am a published neuroscientist because it was such a long time ago. This fascination with the brain shaped my perspective on why some things in design are easy and others are hard. It taught me about how we process information and where information gets processed. You'll notice a few scientific geeky references to neuroanatomy throughout, and now you know why. So I think the reason why I, I, <laughs> I refer to it as a traumatic reconnection with my neuroscience background is um, when, uh, when I was working in a research hospital in Japan, it was called the Research Institute for Brain and Blood Vessels, so shout out to all those listeners in Akita, <laughs> if there are any. Um, and uh, while I was doing, uh, I, was, I was working in brain imaging and I was looking, literally looking at how the brain lit up when it was doing um, all these different sort of cognitive tasks and trying to understand the mapping of brain function and all that sort of stuff. It was really fascinating. But one night I had this dream and uh, it was, I mean, the dream is still with me. It was an odd dream. It was like a an eyeball um, in space, so just in a void and the eyeball was uh, turning kind of around with the intention of trying to see itself. And I woke up in the morning with this sort of kind of weird feeling about we're using our brains to try and work out our brains. And it's not unlike an eyeball trying to see itself. So I just was sitting in this... <laughs> In this feeling of futility and I don't know, uh, am I in the right, am I, yeah, am I heading in the right direction? Um, but anyway, I finished my time there. I came back, I graduated, I did my PhD. But what I realized was that in doing my PhD, what I was interested in was more about how do I participate in the creation of the conditions for people to be able to reach their potential or to be able to thrive and that is in my world the act of designing so that's why that sort of profound <laughs> moment actually um, sent me on quite a um, wonderful trajectory uh, cool so segue the next paragraph is actually about my PhD so my PhD was in human-centered design I was given the opportunity to live out my dream of being Charlie from Top Gun when I worked as a civilian contractor in the Air Operations Division of Australia's Defence Science and Technology Organisation. I had forgotten that I'd made reference to Top Gun in my book. <laughs> oh dear. Um, my PhD was concerned with situational awareness for fighter pilots and I worked mostly with FA-18, F-111 pilots. I learned hardcore human factors, not only through my own research, but also from supporting the work of the other scientists in the human factors lab. I also became a glider pilot during this time, which taught me that sometimes you've just got to learn to fly the plane while you're already up there flying. I think this is why design and I get along. It is a way of thinking and being that requires you to work out the way while you're already heading down the path. 
It is action-oriented, curiosity-driven, and resilient to big mistakes, if you do it well. My time at Ford and Sumitomo taught me about the design process in its most tangible form. I worked as a design engineer on both the supplier and assembler side and observed how a studio engineer thinks differently to a manufacturing engineer. Each look at exactly the same part but speak two different languages. They are concerned about completely different things. It was here that my passionate advocacy for the human in the system began. Although everyone knows it is a person who drives the car, back in those days, human factors were still a relatively new thing and consideration for the person came very late in the design process. I learned how important it was to make sure human centricity was there from the very beginning. Being a general manager within the chief technology office at Telstra taught me about leadership and furthered my understanding of how large organisations work or don't. It taught me about the powerful role technology plays in the lives of people and how enamoured we get with the technology itself rather than thinking deeply about what it actually means for the human condition. The culmination of these apprenticeships prepared me to establish my own strategic design firm, Huddle. We work with large enterprises, government organisations and communities in Australia, Europe and the US. Huddle taught me how to be a graceful beginner and how to pick myself up after a hard fall while maintaining my values and principles. It taught me to fight for what I believe in and to listen with humility. It has been a vehicle for me to grow as a leader and a mentor to other leaders and it has challenged every aspect of my identity. So the challenges that I'm referring to there are more from the perspective of being an entrepreneur and um, establishing a business and creating a business that lives up to the purpose, intention and the values that you seeded, I guess. And this is a really good example of learning how to fly the plane while you're flying the plane because up until that point, I'd never run a business before. I'd always been an employee or a practitioner and well, always an employee and uh, never a business owner. So uh, we were literally learning how to fly the plane while flying and inevitably you're going to make a mistake. And it's how you navigate that really murky, muddy, scary waters and how you deal with as much (laughs) grace as you can muster the consequences of those um, mistakes and at the same time I've also accepted that it's you know sometimes it's the only way that you learn is to actually live through it Um, no matter how many times someone will tell you something it's not until you actually experience it that you learn the lesson so that's what I'm referring to there in my um, in that part of the what is this the prologue it also showed me the endless generosity of people when they believe in you and what you are trying to do. I am greeted by this every day when I head into work. My wish is that through reading this book, you will learn more about yourself, even if you're not a human-centered designer, and that learning will help you have great positive impact in the world. This is very authentic. You can hear the page turn. Okay. How to use the book. This book is a bit quirky. 
It sits happily alongside other design books about impactful work, although its purpose is not to teach you a method of design. Those books already exist and they do a great job. It's a bit less practical than that. It also sits comfortably beside leadership books that explore mindset and behaviours and support creative, intelligent and autonomous thinkers and doers. And it's a bit more practical than that. Although this book is written with human-centred designers of all levels of experience in mind, it is not just for them. The ideas in this book can be applied to your own unique context, whether you're an engineer, a parent, a CEO, a student, or the head of a nation. This book is for anyone who is interested in understanding what it takes to bring an idea into reality, one that is meaningful and impactful. This human helps you establish an ability to reflect, observe, and master yourself so that your work is more effective and your impact longer lasting. This book will get you thinking, reflecting and seeing what is happening behind the scenes and inside you. I wanted to pass on the benefits of my experience and the insights I've gleaned from 20 years of observing people who do this work and also the recipients of this work. It is organised into seven chapters. This is not an accident. There is a very deliberate organising principle sitting behind the content in this book. But I will leave this as a mystery for those readers who are keen to work it out. Hmm, I'll ponder whether or not I'll expose that organising principle at the end. Perhaps I will. My research into how to organise this book included both modern and ancient wisdom about what makes us humans tick. If you read this human from front to back, you'll discover that it starts with abstract concepts in chapter one and finishes with pragmatic examples in chapter seven. It is not linear. Each chapter stands alone so you can start anywhere. I recommend you skim it from cover to cover before diving in though, as I do refer to and build on earlier content later in the book. What you will discover is a book focused entirely on you, the human doing the work, that supports the process of manifesting something in the real world. You'll be introduced to your own beliefs and recognise how they operate in the background, influencing your thinking, sense-making and judgement calls. You'll become equipped with ways to uncover your beliefs, work with them and even change them. You'll explore insights and findings and realise why knowing the difference matters at a deep level. You'll play with your own understanding of reality and discover why yours is irrelevant when you're trying to connect with a deep understanding of the people that you are designing for. You will reconnect with your imagination and curiosity. You'll uncover ways to help you expand your thinking and your perspectives so you can think big enough to withstand the inevitable whittling process of bringing an idea into reality. You will explore the role of communication and all the different and relevant forms it takes as you progress through the design process. You will experiment <laughs> with the different intentions that sit behind and inform your communication and you'll connect with your own listening and that of others. You will uncover the importance of working with people and connecting with them authentically, openly and generously. You will learn how to create the conditions for connection to occur between people, 
which will propel your work to a whole new level. You can't work with great impact on your own. You will understand the role of intention and its direction-giving power. You will revisit the role of free will in design and its link to energy and confidence. You will be introduced to a powerful framework that will help clarify your thoughts about why you're creating something in the first place. This will help you connect with the intention that is driving you to deliver an outcome that is important to you. You will explore the territories of resilience and grit and find the determination to keep moving forward when constraints come at you thick and fast. We will breathe fire into the conversation about emotions and feelings and the role they play in the holistic design of human experiences. I have even dusted off my knowledge of neuroanatomy to explain why we find it hard to express our emotions. We venture carefully into the realms of designing for the shadow self and look at why it is so important to acknowledge the duality of the human condition. You will rec- reconnect with judgments and see how they form and affect your understanding of perceived realities. You will uncover the importance of pleasure and desire in your work and learn how to deliberately create these conditions so you can be at your best. And we will finish with the acknowledgement that the real world is where your work will actually have impact and that to bring an idea into reality, you need to move through many phases of creation that require different parts of you. You will be shown the fundamentals of building trust through commitment cycles and the importance of taking your work to absolute completion. Along the way, you will learn how to put these thoughts and experiences into action. I have made this book as tangible and practical as this content allows. And I know, as I have experienced it personally, that when you do the work, you'll see the results. Okay, so that is the prologue. That's a lot. What a journey. Oh my gosh. I'm excited to read the book again. All right, well, uh, I hope you enjoyed that. You can uh, look forward to the next episode where we start on page one, officially, page one, uh, chapter one, which is called Insight. Okay, thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.